everybody. This is another episode of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm sitting in a dark hotel room in Columbus, Ohio, trying to make sense of the 6-1 beatdown suffered by the Five Stripes last night at the hands of Columbus at beautiful Lower.com field. It was the most goals allowed in Atlanta United history. It was the worst margin of defeat in Atlanta United history. The stats don't even begin to tell how badly the five stripes played. And we're going to get into all that here in just a little bit. On this podcast, you're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda, Brad Guzan, because God bless him when things go bad, he will always come out and talk to us. And Miguel Berry, who started last night, one of several guys who started because of absences due to the international break and national team call-ups. And then y'all only sent in a few questions for the mailbag. We'll get to that. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. So, as I said, Atlanta United was defeated 6-1. to one. Let's go over a few stats here really quickly. Columbus scored first, Aiden Morris, in the 14th minute on a bit of an unlucky break for Atlanta United. Yeah, Cross came in. Santiago Sosa lunged to get it. It bounced off of him, went up in the air right to Morris's head. He had the easy goal from close range. That was followed by Christian Ramirez in the 47th minute. Quinton off a corner kick in the 51st minute. And at that point, it felt very much like 2022 all over again because you had a set-piece goal allowed, a weird goal allowed, and an injury to Andrew Gutman, who suffered what is believed to be a groin injury. But I'm going to try to get some more information about that today. Ramirez followed with another in the 64th, Russell Rowe in the 68th, Arfston in the 91st, and Brooks Lennon scored Atlanta United's only goal with his only shot on goal in the 71st minute. Let's see what some of the damning stats are. Columbus had 53.6% of the possession, 2.01 expected goals to 0.07. 15 shots to 2, 6 on target to 1. 13 to 2 shots from inside the box, which is just nuts. 143 passes in the final third to 56. 11 chances created to 1 for Atlanta. Now, 
before some of you start saying well, Atlanta United was missing Yorgos Yakamakis and Tiago Almada and Miles Robinson and Derek Etienne, you can argue that Columbus was missing much more important pieces to how it plays. Cucho Hernandez, Zellerayon, Eloy Vroom, the De- Dejanek, the sweeper center back for them. They were missing four starters, and still they were able to do this to Atlanta United. So, of course, my first question to Pineda was, what the heck happened? We were not good enough, starting with the ball. Not good at uh, having the ball, moving the ball faster, attacking the spacing behind. Today we were not uh, up to the standard that we set for ourselves. Uh, and yeah, that's the story of the game. And really, I don't. I mean, what's he going to say? I don't know. But when we start hearing what Brad says, you get a bit of a better idea what happened. But we're continuing with Pineda on the missing the key players if it played a role in the loss. Uh, I cannot say that that it's not important. Uh, you know, missing players of the caliber of Thiago Almada, Yakumakis, uh, Miles Robinson, uh, I cannot say it's the same, but at the same time it's not an excuse at all. As you said, they were missing also key players for them, Cucho, Salarayan, Degenek, so it's not an excuse at all. We were just not good enough today. We were exposed in certain moments, some key errors, and then from there, mentally, we, we were not at our level. And as most of you know, Atlanta United was off to its best start in franchise history, so I was curious if Pineda thought the team might be overconfident. I don't think so. Honestly, I just I think it was just a matter of you know, conceding a goal early in the first half, and then we were not good enough with the ball. We started to be a little bit slappy on the ball, uh, didn't have really attacking movements, didn't, we didn't do enough runs in behind that we were doing very well. Uh, I think that, yes, a little bit the injury for, from Andrew impact that because Caleb is very good at that. And uh, we need to reflect in, in, in a lot of things. Uh, but I don't think uh, or I hope it's not the case that we were a little bit uh, arrogant or anything like that. I hope it was just a bad night and, uh, and we will try to do better next week. And here's Pineda on how to make sure that one loss doesn't turn into more than that when the team returns to action hosting Red Bulls next Saturday. Well, coming back to to who we are, I think starting with the next training session, we're going to come back to playing with intensity on and off the ball. Today, certain moments we, we pressed, certainly we had certain moments in transition that we didn't, didn't take advantage of, especially in the first half, a couple actions that I think we can do better. And from there, maybe the game is different, but I felt that at some point we just dropped off and we didn't uh, have the intensity that we were showing the first four games in the season. Uh, so we need just to come back to who we are, to what we were doing very well in the first couple games, and, uh, and come back stronger. And lastly, because of Almada's absence, you saw a midfield composed of Franco Ibarra, Santiago Sosa, and Amar Sadich, with Sadich kind of playing the Almada role. The problem when you have Abara and Sosa on the field at the same time, and I've been saying this for the past few weeks about Abara, who's started the season well, I've said this for a long time about Sosa, is that both guys aren't very fast. They're kind of limited offensively. But last night, they just looked lost. Absolutely lost in every facet of the game. 
to be fair, it was Sosa's first start. This trio hasn't played together before. But here's Pineda talking about that. I should have started with these. Uh, Columbus is a very good team, and they played very good. Congrats to, to the players, to their coaching staff. They did very well. It was very difficult and challenging to play against that system of back three and two. We had certain ideas on how to press that. At, at times it worked, at times it didn't. And at the end of the game, we were very stretched. And, uh, and yes, as you said, the midfield uh, wasn't uh, as aggressive as I wanted. Uh, at times their tactics were good and Ivara didn't, didn't have anyone to mark at some point. And then Matan was very free in between in the first half in between Andrew and Caleb and then no one didn't jump with Matan, uh, jump with Matan and then it, it was difficult for, for, for that midfield and we we'll reflect on the tactics and the game plan and, and, and also as coaches how good or bad we prepared the players to do that. I felt that at times it was good but we can do better there. Now switching to Brad Guzan, team captain, on what he thought happened against Columbus. Everything went wrong. Our application, our intensity, um, desire to compete, we lacked in all those areas, and we, you can't do that in this league. And here's Guzan basically saying that they didn't do anything that they talked about and worked on in practice. In this league, you can't just rock up to a game and think you're going to, you're just going to turn up and win. You, you need to apply yourself, um, and we, we didn't do that. We didn't do that in terms of tackling pressing the ball, all the things we talked about all week, we, we didn't do. And to me, that's that's a little bit scary because they ha- I assume they have been doing those things. Otherwise, they wouldn't have started 3-0-1 with the season and, and been t- uh, tied for most goals scored and had the biggest goal difference. So either Columbus threw a wrinkle at them they didn't expect or they simply just got outplayed. I think it was a combination of two things. Here's Brad talking about when he thought the game got away from them. The third goal, um, you know, the two the, the two quick goals at the beginning of the second half, uh, you know, obviously hurt us. Um, you know, but that in in that moment, um, you 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 take the result. You realize you're not good enough on the day, and you move on. And and what we did is we chucked the towel, in. and that's for me is, is a disappointing thing. So. His message to the team following the loss. There's a, it's, a, it's a long season ahead, and just as high as we were last week, um, you know, you, you, can't, you, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. Uh, we got to take this on the chin, and we got to learn from it and make sure this doesn't happen again. And what he wants to see when the team reconvenes for its next training session. It's just an application. It's, it's, it's the way you approach a game. It's how you step on the field. It's how you compete. It's how you – all the things that we've talked about all preseason, all the beginning of the year um, – you know, this wasn't the Atlanta United that, that we've seen over the last two months. And we need to point out it was Noah Cobb's first start at center back. I don't think he was at fault on any of the goals. If you watch him back, there are a couple of instances where you could say, well, that person should have done this that are fairly clear. But Cobb, I don't think, was at fault for any of the goals. You know, so I asked Brad how he thought that Noah played. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, we didn't help him enough. Um, you know, a, a difficult game to come into. Um, one that he'll remember for probably the wrong reasons, but, uh, you know, we, we know he's got a bright future. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put our arm around him, and, um, you know, we're in this together. It's, it wasn't one individual tonight. It was, it was all of us, and 
um, you know, we got to put this behind us and move on. This was kind of a homecoming for Miguel Berry. Columbus was his first team before he went to D.C., and he was then acquired in a trade by Atlanta United uh, in the week before the regular season. And here's him talking about what went wrong on offense. I think it starts with defending, honestly. I think it starts with everything from the first whistle. I don't think we did what we wanted to do. I don't think we played the way we need to play. Um, I think, um, you know, we're, we're a team that wants to be on the front foot with the ball and without the ball. And tonight we were neither. And I think it, it showed. And, I mean, we're a team that I, I gets forward, gets crosses in, and I, I can't remember a cross you put in the box. So it's just, it's frustrating. And here's him talking about looking like they lacked energy. He didn't like my use of the word energy. He, he thought it was something else. I could see why it would look like I don't, we didn't have energy, but I think I think it's just being second, you know, second to everything. I think we're slow to react, and I think there's a couple times where we, we did do what we wanted to do, and we turned them over, and I think maybe we weren't as sharp as we needed to be in those situations, but if we did that more consistently, I think we, we would have made the game a lot harder for them. I think they had a very easy game tonight, and I think that's on us, and and they're a good team. They're well coached, but uh, I, we know we, we know we need to do better, and we will do better. And here's Barry talking about what needs to change. First thing first is has to be attitude. To, to to concede one, one happens. Two, okay, but you know three, four, five, six is, is unacceptable. Um, it's unacceptable from from the front to the back. And I'm you know everyone say it, and I think you know we attackers want to score more goals. We want to get in the box. I mean, I think. Brooks had the only shot, correct? I mean, to leave a game with, with me, Luis, not getting a shot is, is incredibly frustrating. So, um, you know, we we just know that we're going to have to come and compete this week and, and because you know, these are jobs on the line, and we, you can't compete like that in the MLS and, and expect to win games. All right, when we come back, we're going to go to the mailbag. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. But before, before we get in the mailbag, I just want to talk about one other thing really quick. So... When you're missing players like Yakamakis and, and Almada, it's a chance for other players to step up and show their worth, their value. This was a chance for Luis Arahujo last night to do that, and he just didn't. I mean, he really disappeared in the game. You heard Pineda say that he felt Arahujo got isolated a little bit too much. He's a guy who has more talent than anybody else on the field last night, and he suffered from what is still one of my bigger issues with Landon Donovan, who's supposed to be the gold standard of U.S. soccer players, which I totally disagree with, and that he just disappeared. It's like with Donovan with the U.S. men's national team. Too many important games, he would just disappear for long, long stretches. That's what Arahujo did last night. I think that there was a, a sequence in the first half in which Atlanta United finally had a counterattack. And Miguel Berry had the ball, but he waited too long to play in Arahujo, who got called for offside. And I think at that point, Arahujo, I, I think he just kind of lost it mentally. And I go back to something Pineda said on Thursday about Arahujo that he seems like he was much happier this preseason. He didn't know why, but he theorized that he's a player that to produce, he needs to be happy. Well, he did not look happy last night, and he certainly didn't produce. So hopefully he'll bounce back. We'll see. But it's something to keep an eye on. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, etc. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. And what's really going on right now is I'm going to take a coffee sip. And then I'm going to get into this mailbag. Mmm, that's good coffee. And I want to remind y'all, again, that we do have the voicemail line, 770-810-5297. Daniel's crying in the background because nobody called in. If you can't call in after a 6-1 beatdown and vent, then when are you going to call? I mean, I don't know how to console Daniel because I'm here in Columbus and I think he's in Thailand or something. I think that's where he produces the show. I'm not quite sure. And, you know, he's got all these bags of Doug coffee that are starting to take up every inch of space in his in his uh, townhome. So y'all need to start calling in. Anyway, on to Caleb. Why does Arahujo play on the right when he seemingly never touches the ball with his right foot? He looks better and in more control when he ends up over on the left. Do you think a right-footed winger is on the radar for the team? No. Um, I don't think that. Soccer teams have fallen in love with the inverted winger, the guy who, if he's predominantly left foot, he starts on the right so he can cut in and shoot. Or if he's predominantly right-footed, he starts on the left so he can cut in and shoot. That was Arahujo and Moreno last year. The problem is, when you have two inverted wingers on your team in that manner, and they both start pinching in, then your attacking midfielder, in this last night's case, Sadich, previous games, Almada, you start to lose space on the field and in, in areas for creativity. Now, Atlanta United partially solved that by loaning out Moreno. Caleb doesn't do that nearly as much. Caleb Wiley doesn't do that nearly as much as, as Moreno would do. Arahujo doesn't drift into the middle quite as often as Moreno would drift into the middle. So that's not really that much of a problem. But yeah, he does need to kind of sometimes just remember to stay really wide and you know, turn back to his left and hit in crosses. Not a lot of opportunities for that last night. Wren says, so last week I said, quote, we're back, end quote. Didn't realize how right I was. Apparently Pineda's system only works under perfect conditions. I can accept a loss, but 6-1. Let me guess, we need to be more clinical. Someone needs to be sacked. Pathetic. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, 6-1, I understand your frustration. Really, after 3-1, it just kind of doesn't even matter at that point. But Mike says, thoughts on Guzan. He's been a great goalie, but his best days are obviously behind him. His lateral quickness is bad. Should we move on from him in the winter? 
I, I don't know which of those goals he's expected to stop last night. And I answered Mike with that because I was kind of getting tired of seeing this on Twitter. You watch the goals, and almost every single one came against the flow of the ball, which is what attackers are taught to do. So if the ball is coming from right to left, shoot back toward the right because the goalkeeper is going to be flowing to his. So the shooter should shoot to his right because the goalkeeper is going to be flowing to his right, if that makes sense. So they're going to be crossing each other, kind of. And almost every single one of Columbus's goals happened that way last night. I mean, if you want to go through each goal and talk about what went wrong, I can go through them backwards. So Arfston's goal uh, was a simple cutback cross. There were supposed to be, well, there were one, I think there was one defensive midfielder on the uh, field at that point. Nobody ran with him. So he was wide open at the top of the box. Um, Russell Rose goal, same thing, basically. Ramirez's goal, same thing. Quinton's goal, it looked like uh, Cobb jumped to head it and just couldn't quite get to it. And Sosa just got out muscled. It was either that way or the other way. I can't see from the screen who was who. And these jerseys, it's hard for me to see the numbers. It just it was just an awful, awful performance. Eric says, Hi, Doug. I'm loving the season so far. This is before the game. Okay. This is a softball question from Eric. I'm offering you a non-match softball question. As a newish soccer fan since Atlanta United was birthed, Am I the only one that still struggles to buy an American family insurance, I mean Atlanta United jersey? Living outside of Atlanta, Atlanta United jerseys are a novelty, and highlighting the team with such a small logo on the shoulder feels silly to me. Help me make sense of the world, Doug. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about, Eric, because, I mean, it's on the crest, it's on the front of the jersey, and their kit is no different than almost every other soccer kit used in the world. So I'm not I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. If you want to send me a clarification, um, I'll be glad to read that on the pod and try to answer it. Um, and if you just want to buy a jersey, the MLS Soccer Shop, Soccer MLS Store, MLS Soccer Store Shop, Store Stop has them. Now for our question of the week. So I'm not going to ask about the game tonight. I'm sure everything has been beaten to death. All I'll say is it's very disappointing to not take better advantage of Columbus missing the best goalkeeper Atlanta has played against, excluding the Stefan abnormal performance against Atlanta in the playoffs. My question is about former Atlanta homegrown George Campbell. Did I miss an injury or something? Why has he not even made a game day roster for Montreal? I think after all they spent on him and giving him a contract extension, he'd at least be on the bench. He's injured. That's it. He's injured. And now... What makes this the question of the week? Irrelevant to soccer, but who is your favorite Doug on television or in the movies? Actor or character? Everyone is drawn to people who share their name. Who is yours? Well, I've been told by literally nuns of people that I look a lot like George Clooney and his character Doug Ross from ER. So that is my favorite Doug, followed by the Doug from The Hangover who got stuck up on the roof of the hotel. I guess I probably look a little bit more like him. All right, we're going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. As always, you can find me on the Twitters at Doug Roberts and AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's 
let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.